everybody. Welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. This is a little special Christmas episode. Goes with our difficult tech series. Uh, we also want to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you're in our part of the country, hopefully you're staying warm with this winter blast that we're getting right now. Um, nothing nothing better to do is you're staying warm than listen to a So We Speak podcast. Right. The other thing that you could be doing, though, is getting on social media and sharing our best books giveaway post. We've already had dozens of people sharing on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we're giving away our favorite books, which you would have heard on fr- on Wednesday of this week. Uh, us discussed our favorite books, and we've, we're giving away nine of those to a lucky winner. But then we're also going to be giving those away individually for people who enter. So starting the day after Christmas, we'll announce who wins the whole lot of nine books. But then after that, we'll be announcing people that win individual books as well. So go ahead and share those. Like, uh, share, tag people on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And uh, we're excited to see who's going to win our favorite books of the year that they can read in 2023. Uh, did you mention that whoever wins the nine books has to do a book report on each one? Or yes. is that yeah, we, optional? Yeah, okay. we, we will want a written book report, no later than <laughs> June 1st. Um, but we do hope you enjoy them, and uh, you don't have to get back to us on it. So the question we're taking up today is a familiar Christmas question, and that is, who were the Magi? Now, sometimes you get so familiar with a Christmas story that you don't even think to ask who the Magi were. Uh, but right. this is really a curveball in Matthew's gospel that all of a sudden Magi from the East come and they bring gifts to the baby Jesus in Bethlehem. This is really weird. And for it, Jews it especially, this would have been very strange. And so we want to step back from the text a little bit, recapture some of the strangeness of this passage and ask an age-old question, who were these people? Where did they come from, and why did they come? What what's going on in this story? And so, I think maybe the most interesting part of this question is what is the identity of these magi? What kind of people are we talking about here? And there's a lot of different ways to approach this. I maybe I'll start by approaching it from a, a etymological standpoint. What does this word mm-hmm. mean? Where do we get this word? Well. All the way back into the ancient Greek histories, there was a tribe called the Magoi or the Magos tribe, and they came to be known as what we would call magicians. That's where we get the Mm -hmm. word magician or magic, the word mage. All of those come from this root. And so it's almost like uh, gypsies in the sense that there is there is a background for that. The way we use that word now in slang maybe doesn't have necessarily to do. Of course, I think some people think it's a derogatory term now, but it doesn't really right. link back to what it probably originally meant. It has a colloquial meaning. Probably mm-hmm. what we're dealing with here is a colloquial meaning based on some distant group of people in the past who had certain characteristics that now has come to be known as magic, mages, some kind of craftiness. And so you can see the transformation of this word over time when you look at somebody like Herodotus. And in his history of uh, the Greeks, he's talking about Xerxes, and he's building this bridge. So think this is like the time of Daniel, uh, essentially. He's building this big bridge in Athos. And before the army sets sail away from there, the sky goes dark. The sun disappears without any warning. 
And he calls in a group of magi to ask them what this means. And they say that the Greeks are leaving their cities and the gods are predicting they are going to lose because the gods are abandoning them. And so Xerxes goes ahead with his mission. This is a great insight into what people thought magi were like and what they were doing. Uh, Magicians, tricksters, but also wise people ascertaining certain events. So that's some of the early background. What else do we know about them uh, from the surrounding times and sources? Well, you segue into a good part there, because if you think about it, they're more than magicians and that they can do tricks. They're really called in as counselors, people that can help understand what's happening. And one of the ways they do that from our text, you notice they are following a star. They have seen the star associated with this prophecy about a king of the Jews, Messiah, in the east. So they're searching the stars in the skies, and that's where you see this tie into astrology. And you'll see that throughout the Bible way, way back in history. But the idea of helping them be able to explain what's happening, they thought, many ancient people thought, that the movements of the stars had an influence on human events. And so the Magi, these people were people that understood the movements of the stars and could shed some light on either the meaning of what had happened or potentially even what was going to happen. And so I think that's where you get the idea that the Magi were astrologers. There's no doubt that that was some part of their training is that their, quote, wisdom was tied to their ability to understand events by understanding the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a connection in the ancient world between astrology and magic. So people that are studying right. the stars, people who are doing different kinds of sorcery. Uh, we see that connection actually in the Bible, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, you get Elamus, mm-hmm. who is a magician. He's called this same word. He's a magus. And he has a connection to doing different kinds of spells and sorceries. He wants to add the works of the Holy Spirit into his magical repertoire. And uh, that doesn't go very well with the apostles. But this is the way the term started to be used, is there's a connection between sorcery and magic, prediction, influencing things, ascertaining the movement of major world events from the stars. Uh, some So the Jews always have interesting uh, interpretive lenses on things like this. So one of the big connections that you should make in this story with the Old Testament is the story of Balaam. And I think in Matthew's gospel, especially, we're looking back to see how God is fulfilling his previous promises. And in Numbers chapter 24, you get the story of Balaam, who is called by a foreign king to curse the people of Israel, but he ends up blessing the people of Israel. And he ends up saying there's a star And there's going to be a king who is coming, who is far off, but one day he will be near. And uh, he is also a mage or a magi. And the Jews actually thought that he was maybe the father of Jonas and Jambres, who are the the magician counselors in Egypt. Or maybe he was a counselor to the Pharaoh in Egypt, although we don't have any textual reason to think that. Uh, In many ways, he is the, the magi or the fulfillment of Balaam. They're the same kind of counselor, astrologer, magician, 
mm-hmm. Gentile kind of person. The layer that I think is most interesting about who the Magi are is that later on in the Babylonian and Persian empires, you had a cast of Magi who were part of the royal court. So you can see why if these people really can read the stars and the omens, it would be good to have them mm-hmm. in your royal court. But they also would, because they could predict things in the future, they were kingmakers almost. They were right. people who predicted and crowned the kings of Persia. So, for example, you have in Plato's Republic, he's talking about philosopher kings, but he's talking about how aggravating this is going to be to the Magi who are used mm-hmm. to crowning the kings based on their astrology and prediction. So you get this kingmaker, royal advisor kind of class. Again, in Herodotus, uh, you have the Magi interpreting a dream about Cyrus, that he is going to be the great king of the world right. before he's born. Uh, some of these are apocryphal and backwards looking, but Cicero records that there was a similar prophecy from Magi uh, about the time that Alexander would die for example. So that just goes to show not that these things are necessarily true, but it tells you what people were thinking about Magi in these days. Uh, One of the commentators says Magi were widely regarded in the Greco-Roman world as able to recognize the signs of the times to foretell events of world importance, including or specifically the rise of kings. That's kind of an interesting layer, I think. I do too. You know, in the Bible, uh, both Joseph and Daniel performed this kind of function. I'm not saying they were magi, but they were brought in to help understand the dreams of very the, the kings, the Pharaoh and the kings. And they did. But in their case, instead of saying we looked at the stars or we have, you know, uh, some other divination type means, they both gave credit to the God who actually architects events says this. And so it's it's interesting how they are thought of as magi, as these wise men, but they're the first to say only God knows these things. So it's it's an interesting role that the two of them played. Let me add two more layers here. These are maybe a little bit more conjectural. I don't know if you'll go quite this far. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that this is 100%, but this just gives you a, a sense of how intriguing it is to venture guesses as to who these magi are. There are some other sources outside of the Bible that would lead us to believe that in places outside of Judea, for example, because in this story, Mm -hmm. Herod, they come to Herod and he calls the scribes who say, well, the, the, you know, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, which is kind of funny because they're totally not looking for this. They're like, well, now that you mention it, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Why do you ask? You know, kind of thing. Whereas the Magi are like, he's here. Just tell us where he is. You know, so uh, outside of Judea at this time, there was the sense among different empires that there would be a world king arising from this area. And so you can see this in some of the other historical writings, that there were people who were looking for some kind of new world power to rise up from this area of the world. Uh, Again, is that backwards looking more than forwards looking? Maybe. Uh, But it's Mm -hmm. intriguing to note that this is going on in other cultures looking for a king. And so some people think, well, maybe the Magi, because of this, were on the lookout. And when they see the stars moving, you know, they head to Judea where the stars seem to be pointing. 
The other one gets into where we think these magi came from. So all the text says right. is there were magi who came from the east. Well, east of Judea and what we consider east are two really different things. I think we can almost all say that this is not the far east. These people are not coming from right. China or East Asia. They're coming from the major empires in the east, which would be either Persia right. or Babylon or the Medes of, of some descendant right. group. Uh Biblically speaking, they could come from Midian, which is actually pretty close to where we are, but just slightly east, because some people like to like to say that this is a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60, which says, a multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and frankincense and good news, the praises of the Lord. If that's a fulfillment, then probably from Midian. I tend to think probably mm -hmm. a little further east, maybe the land of Babylon or Persia. What do you think about that? Well, I do too. I And I think uh, that the early church fathers in general thought uh, either Babylon or Persia, which would be the big kingdoms to the east. They have a long history of astrology, magi. This is not a new thing in those kingdoms. So it seems pretty reasonable to me to think it's either Babylon or Persia that this is where they're coming from, where they have a really strong tradition. But back to your first point is I, I can't speak to that, whether or not there was a world idea that there would be a king coming from here. But I'll tell you one thing that makes me think that could be true. I've always asked myself this question. This is not a short trip. This is not a trivial thing that these magi, and we don't know how many of them there were. There were three presents, so we just assume there were three magi. But hey, who knows? Maybe they went in on them together. You know, hey, this is from four of us. But in all seriousness, we don't know how many magi there are. But the point is, for them to travel that far from Babylon or Persia, this is a big deal to them. Seeing this star... And they said his star, this coming king, for them to get up and go to see this king and bring gifts for this king is a big deal. So it makes me think the idea of uh, a prophecy about this being known outside of Judea seems very likely. Well, here's a real here's a very tantalizing connection, whether this is this is speculative. But I will say D.A. Carson brings this up in his commentary, who is not one given to speculation. But sure. he says, apparently, these men came to Bethlehem spurred on by astrological calculations, but they had probably built up their expectation of a kingly figure by working through assorted Jewish books. That mm -hmm. sounds a little bit outlandish at first. It's kind of like the people that think Plato maybe had read the books of Moses because of the similarities, maybe in the library of Alexandria or something like that. I'm, I'm, I've never been taken with that view, uh, but I think this is interesting for two reasons. One, as you say, there's got to be more than just the astrological calculation. They had to have some right. expectation to travel all the way to Judea of all places uh, to, to look for a king. Secondly, we do know that during the exile, there were very prominent Jewish people intermingled right. with the high society of the Babylonian and Persian empires. So it's not outlandish to think that the Jewish expectations of a coming Messiah wouldn't have made their way colloquially into some of these societies. So think, for example, Daniel is one of the highest ranking officials in the Babylonian empire and later in the Persian Empire. Persian Empire, exactly. He, like you said, is one of these court advisors, interpreters. It's not that Daniel was a magi necessarily, 
but he probably knew all the Magi. So you wonder right. if there's, again, this is a long time before, but you wonder if some of these things become mainstream. Secondly, Nehemiah is another character who is very Jewish, very devout, has the expectations of what God has promised, knows the scriptures. He is in the upper echelon of the Medo-Persian empire. And so is there some influence? I think it's you can safely say there is some influence. Are these people reading the Jewish scriptures, developing an expectation for the Messiah? Maybe not. I don't know if I'd go quite that far. But that's another intriguing connection is they had some expectation of what they were going to find because they had the Jewish expectation in their minds of this coming king. And that's another interesting thing. I'm probably more comfortable with Carson's position than you might be. And because I think it's likely just I'm now I'm just giving an opinion. It seems likely that the Jews who were devout in Babylon and Persia had their books, of course, they had their scriptures and that that would have come to the attention to the academics of the time. And one other thing that makes me think this, Cole, and this is a little bit oblique, but you remember in Acts chapter 15, this is uh, at the Jerusalem conference. We're now talking about Christian era, not the time before, but the Christian era. There's this dispute about should Gentiles become Jews? And they, they decide and they, and they said, no, they don't have to. But they ought to do these two or three things. And remember the reason that they're given, because Moses has been preached for a long time. At that time, Moses lived maybe 1,400 years earlier. But that's an interesting implication that at Mm -hmm. the time, uh, uh, shortly after the resurrection, they are acknowledging that, you know, the whole world is somewhat familiar with the Moses and the Torah and the prophecies of the Jews. So that's a tantalizing bit of evidence that makes me think that they may very well have read uh, some parts of the Bible. The yeah, they, it may have been accessible to them. And uh, to throw in another point on that on that side, I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul and his associates go around preaching to Hellenized Jews that they find right. in every city in the Greek part of the Roman Empire. Exactly. This is right. very widespread. They're teaching the Old Testament to people who are not ethnically Jews, assuming that they're going to understand some of the connections that are being made. Uh, there, right. I, I do think that these expectations were wider spread than maybe we think they were. The The Jewish scriptures, whether they were in written form or not, were colloquially more well-known and influential than sometimes we probably think. And it's very mm-hmm. possible that that's one of the reasons. I don't want to take anything away from the astrology here. That's one of the reasons that the Magi were coming expecting a great king uh, in the land of Judea is because the this confluence of different influences had prepared them to say something big is happening. The King has come. We better go and worship him. And even if that's a really good point, even if they didn't understand it or didn't believe in the spiritual aspects of the Messiah, you know, he's going to come and set righteousness. Say, Say for a moment, they didn't buy that part because they weren't Jewish. They could easily have understood this in the mold of Alexander the Great, who lived several hundred years before. And they're saying, look, these Jews think this is a religious figure, but he's also a king. Could this be the next Alexander the Great who's going to conquer the known world? It it makes perfect sense to me that even if they weren't Jewish, they might pay a lot of attention to that prophecy. 
I think that's right. I think that's that's very likely. Uh, you have Gentiles coming and worshiping the king. You have the widespread recognition of God's own son who's come to earth. Uh, you have these gifts that foreshadow his death. This is a hugely significant event. And the fact that these Gentile astrologer, Zoroastrian philosopher <laughs> right. sages probably have, yeah, have come is a very, very powerful indication of the seismic uh, birth of Christ. And it's interesting in Matthew, the Jews don't get it. Herod doesn't get it. The scribes don't understand it. But the Magi come and they worship the Christ in Bethlehem. And uh, when you step back from the story, you realize how big this is at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. Do you, uh, one final question for you, is it too much uh, of a reach or do you see the fact that you have these Gentiles coming to Jesus uh, tie in all the way back to the promise to Abraham that uh, he would his seed, his line, would be a blessing to all the nations, not just the Jews? And some of the first visitors here are Gentiles. Oh, I think that's exactly right. I think it even goes back one further that you have the promise uh, when Cain is expelled east of Eden and mm-hmm. he's in the land of wandering, you finally see people coming from the east back to worship. Back home, so to speak. Coming yeah, back, back home. to God. Yeah. Wow. That's There's a lot more to the Magi than I ever thought. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.